0: What happens when your little company has the biggest opportunity of its startup life? You have the chance to go to the metaphorical Super Bowl, but the kicker, no pun intended, is it requires you to learn about customers you know nothing about, you have four weeks to do it, and you have no money. That is the story I want to share with you today. And to begin, let me just start with telling you a little bit about our product. We are not an app, we don't live in the cloud, We have no plans to scrape, monetize, or aggregate data. We are built to help this guy. And you know this guy. You may be this guy. This product is for the person who refuses to take more than one trip from the grocery store to their house. <laughs> <laughs> and so our little product is called the Mighty Handle. And what it does is it allows you to carry eight to 10 grocery bags. Let me just stop for the proverbial beauty shop for the web. <laughs> Up to 50 pounds of groceries across a long distance, safely, comfortably. And it's got a couple of patents, so it actually distributes the weight to your shoulders, so it reduces the stress and strain of your, on your wrists, hands, and, and arms, which is great. But uh, And the one other thing you need to know about this, this product is the customer who really views this as a painkiller is anyone who lives in an apartment. Because if you live in a walk-up and you're on the second floor, this gadget is really useful. So we'd spend a, about 18 months selling this product on Amazon and a few regional uh, grocery stores, and it was doing OK. But last spring, we were rapidly, quickly running out of cash. And then we had an opportunity. That is my partner, Ben Rendo, we went to Bentonville. And this, the, the largest retailer in the world asked us to consider putting this into a couple of uh, test locations, and if we were successful, we would eventually roll out to 4,500 stores. And that was the Super Bowl I was talking about earlier, just to connect the dots. Um, but there was one hitch. Our product, our customers lived here, apartments. Their customers lived here, the suburbs. And we had a sneaking suspicion that for a suburban mom, they did not think of this product as a painkiller. It was more like a tickle in the throat, which isn't exactly a business model to base your company off of. But if you look at our test locations, the blue, the sea of blue, represented uh, locations where there were uh, basically in the suburbs. So we had to figure it out. We had four weeks. We had about $8,000 to try to make this a go of it. So what we did is, because we didn't have a lot of time, we used the web to learn about our customers really quickly. And we did a lot of things, but I want to give you three examples today. First, how we use Amazon.com, Facebook, and YouTube. So when you're starting out in a package good, I I don't care if you're an app or a, um, a website, or a game, or a consumer product, your packaging is everything. Your customer has a split second to make a decision about whether they are going to buy you or not, and if you don't resonate, you're dead. And so in a typical super center, there's 150,000 products in the store. So the packaging is the make or break moment. So we had to figure out what would resonate with this new target. So because we didn't have a lot of time, we started with what we knew which was Amazon.com. We did a couple of things. First, we had a couple of hundred reviews on the site. And we culled, we culled through to look and see if there's anyone who'd written about anything about a, from a suburban mom. And we actually found a couple of blurbs that led us to believe that the reason why a mom was buying our product had nothing to do with the initial use case, which is carrying groceries. And then, whenever you just... I don't know if you know but whenever you buy a product on Amazon, the seller is notified that, let's say, Jane Smith has bought your uh, purchase your product. You have the ability to email that customer and thank them for their product, which we do. And we, we if you go on, we'll always send an email saying thank you and um, you know asking for any feedback. And a lot of times they'll reply and they'll give you good data. So we had over like 150 responses, and we culled through that to see if anyone had talked about other use cases and happen to be our target. And we ended up with, and we ended up emailing them and and asking for more feedback. And we asked them three really important questions. First, why? Why did you buy the product in the first place? Just a fundamental tenet of lean, ask that why question. Second, what? What did you actually use the product for? And that was the basis of our hypothesis, we wanted to validate whether or not it was a different use case. And then third, would you recommend it to a friend? Because for me, the proxy of would you recommend is determining whether it's actually a painkiller or a tickle in the throat. And we had about a dozen responses. And from that data, we actually changed our packaging or changed where we were going. These were the standard images we were planning on using. Based on the data, we decided that it was interesting. the, The thing that people really wanted the product for was dry cleaning paint cans, didn't know that, and the ability to actually take your product, put it in the, in the trunk of your car, twist it, and nothing would ever spill. So this is great. The only problem was we had 12 responses. And when you're uh, making a, a make-or-break decision about your company, that's a really small sample size. So we needed more data. So what we did is we went to Facebook and we spun up ads, these images and about eight others to see which resonated, and we drove them to a landing page. The point here is we were not trying to sell product. We were trying to learn. And Facebook is phenomenal for this for three reasons. First, it's really fast, and it's really cheap. So within a day, we spent a couple hundred dollars, and we were able to drive 244 clicks to our landing page and learn which product or which image resonated. But the other really important thing is Facebook eliminates the observation effect. And we talked about this last night, but when you're doing customer development, it's really important to note that what customers tell you and what they actually do are two very different things. And you know this in your own life. So if you've ever been to the store, and you're trying on shoes, and the salesperson says, okay, walk for me, have you ever noticed how you sort of change your stride? <laughs> you know, My daughter actually becomes like a model on, on the catwalk, it's hilarious. But the point is, People, what they do when they're observed is very different than what they actually do. And the antidote for the observation effect is watch them, don't ask them. And Facebook gives you a lot of opportunity to have anonymous data to learn about your customers really quickly. So I'm going to give you a sense for this. And we actually changed the front of our packaging, but just the back actually has a good illustration. These were our initial shots. Based on the data, we changed it. So we put um, the picture of the dry cleaning, the paint cans, and the twist lock. And after more information, we realized that we needed to explain that, and we, we um, did a, a better demonstration. So that was really good. So we had a much better, we felt better about our packaging at the checkout lane, but now we needed to drive traffic into the store, which is super hard, because the scarcest resource on the planet is human attention. An average customer gets, is exposed to 5,000 messages a day. So that's where we used YouTube. We spun up a couple of videos, and I think this is really important, because in this, in this conference, we want to be lean, we want to be analytical, but we can't forget to be emotional. Because when you think about anything in your life that you've shared, it's usually because it touches you. It makes you happy, sad, feel good, and, and, and video is a great way to share your brand story. So we started with, the, when we were selling, we started with, the, the basic demographics. So, you know, age, their mom, they live in a mini, they have a minivan, all the stuff that you normally would do when you target on YouTube. And YouTube allows you to target based on zip, which is really important because we had specific locations we were interested in. The challenge was it really didn't do well. In fact, it was horrible and it was super expensive and it was pretty much an abysmal failure, but I may be understanding. So we ended up talking to a um, A a friend of mine, his name's Paul Calento. he is this founder of this company called TriView Media, and they do YouTube advertising. And he gave me a very simple but profound insight that changed everything, and that's this. Don't target customers based on who they are. Instead, focus on what they love. And for our target, our customers love this guy. Does anyone know who this guy is? All the suburban moms are like raising their hand right now. Um, this, is, he, this is Enrique Iglesias. And what we found is on YouTube, whenever you put our video in front of an Enrique video, our view through conversions went through the roof. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Who would have thunk it? Now, it didn't happen overnight. So we, you know, the guys at TriView helped us, but we ran all these experiments and we put our video in front of like salsa dancing and yoga and hamster videos and all this crazy stuff. But what we found after lots and lots of experiments is that this was the most effective. In fact, the two zip codes that had the greatest view through conversions happened to be in the top five zips of our locations that did the best in achieving uh, their sales goal. So testing seemingly unrelated interests actually helped us have really positive results. So the, the punchline here is not. You should use YouTube or Twitter or Facebook. It really goes back to what Eric said earlier. And that is, you must be innovative, and you must try new things, but you have to stay core to the fundamentals of lean. So when I talked about Amazon.com, we did a lot of things that we learned earlier when we were looking about, learning about apartments. We listened. We didn't let our biases about our customers get in the way from actual customer information. When we talked about Facebook, I didn't, we, didn't, we ran a lot of experiments, and we tried to eliminate that observation effect. And with YouTube, we learned that it isn't about a customer, like you know, how, how, how much they weigh, or their height, or their age. To really understand your customer, you have to understand what they love, what they're passionate about. And once you have the totality of that consumer, the, the, the data that you will get is so rich, it will lead you to a path that's surely successful. So about that big game, we did not go to the Super Bowl. We are not in 4,500 stores, but we are firmly going to... We are definitely in the playoffs, and what I mean by that is by the end of the month, we will ship Mighty Handle to 1,000 Walmarts across the country. <laughs> yes, yes, thanks. So. Yeah. Um, And I really, part of the story, part of the success was really because of Lean. And I am um, so grateful to be here today. I would love, if you have um, any interest in talking to me afterwards, if you're a suburban mom, I want to talk to you. I'll buy you a drink. Come chat with me. Um, But I would love to chat with you any more about customer development. And thanks so much for letting me be here. and, And enjoy the rest of our conference. And happy holidays.